Delco. What is Delco? Urban Dictionary, maybe the best definition of any place in the history of any place. Delco is the nickname for Delaware County, not just a place to live, it's a way of life. Delco isn't something you obtain with a short visit while you're passing through. Never has been, or don't actually live here, you just won't understand. Delco is something you can spot across the bar while out of town. Speaking of bars, there's 42 to 1 ratio when it comes to bars to libraries. And it's cool to be a 26-year-old bar back. You're just waiting for your build big break. Delco people love being from Delco. I don't know if there's anything special from Delco, except being a Delco guy, I kind of like it. What is up, Delaware County, and welcome back for the 24th episode Delco Baseball Now. My name is Brendan Ricciardi, and I'm guessing we got some new faces in the audience here now that the high school baseball season has started. So I'm going to take a quick minute here to reintroduce myself and kind of what all this is, and that we will get down to business. So I'm currently a senior at Penn State. I play for the club baseball team here. I graduated from Strathaven back in 2017. So if you hear what I say about Strathaven and think I'm being biased, then you are absolutely right. 100% won't even try and hide it. With that being said, I try to stay as neutral as possible. But basically, I started the show last summer when I I broke my ankle the day before the Club Baseball World Series. That's my sob story. Uh, I broke my ankle. I had a lot of free time because my only summer job was working for Wayne. So I basically had nothing better to do during the day. So I started this to kind of take a look at the Delco League and you know do my own like do my own writing, do the podcast, do interviews. But you know I, I knew when I started it that the main thing was going to be high school baseball. Just in terms of how much people care, you know, about baseball in the area, I think it's fair to say that high school takes the crown. Maybe little league baseball once it gets to the district tournament has the most eyes on it. But realistically, I knew high school was going to be the big crowd here. And, you know, I've done a lot of interviews with Delco League. I've done a lot of interviews with college baseball. But, you know, high school, it's finally gotten started. And that's pretty much going to be the bulk of the show going forward for the most part. Uh, just a couple things I wanted to say before I get started here. I'm I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. Just because of the fact that I'm three hours away, I don't get to watch these games. I'm pretty much just going off of Game Changer at this point. So, you know, I, I do my best with the articles and the uh, the podcast to try and be as accurate as possible, but I'm going to mess up at some point. I'm probably going to mess up some names. I'm probably going to mess up, you know, some things that happened in games, but I'll have the bulk of, you know, the information correct. I would like to think uh, on this show, I plan on doing not this week interviews just because I got a lot of catching up to do. Um, you know, I, I'm probably not going to just like go down and read the scores of every game but it'll be more like notes about each team and kind of just talking about what each team has been doing we'll do standings checks this week i don't have much on college baseball uh, but we'll definitely talk about that and the phillies a little bit as well but the main thing i wanted to you know get across here is that i'm definitely not gonna be perfect i'm i will gladly take you know criticism i will gladly take you know corrections on things that happen uh, going forward just to make this show as good as it possibly can be. 
make sure to give a follow to this account on Instagram and Twitter at Delco Baseball. I think Facebook is just Delco Baseball now, but you know that is where I'm going to be. You know, posting most of the graphics, posting most of the the scores, posting most of the you know the articles on the website. So make sure to give that a follow. All right, I think the best way for me to do the coverage here is probably go by conference just so it isn't as confusing because if I start jumbling everything together it's going to make even me you know very confused on what's going on here start off with the central league that has probably about half of the teams that are in the focus here in the Del- you know the Delco landscape I'll listen to your arguments that schools like Lower Marion and Conestoga and all of them aren't actually Delco but the the fact of the matter is they're close enough and there's 12 teams in the conference that are all within the area. So start off with a quick standings check here, starting from top to bottom. Strathaven, the only 3-0 team in the conference at the moment. As a matter of fact, there are only two undefeated teams left. Lower Marion is the other one sitting at 2-0. After that, we got a bunch of 2-0 squads. Garnet Valley, the defending champ, Conestoga, and Pencrest. They all sit at 2-1. We got three teams sitting at 1-1. That's Radnor, Marple, Newtown, and Haverford. Harriton, the only 1-2 team in the conference at the moment. And rounding it out, Springfield and Upper Darby sitting at 0-3, both looking for their first win on the year. So, with that being said, like I said, I'm not going to just go down and read the scores of every game that happened. Because I think that would just kind of get boring. Uh, if you want to see some of the scores, you can check the website or even check like Max Preps, check Game Changer for exact results. But we're just going to talk about some things that happened, some things I saw. So we're going to start off with our... Delco Baseball now player of the week, the uh, second high school player. We had Van Wilner. He is a Bucknell commit from Lower Marion through a complete game shutout against Garnet Valley on opening day to start the year. Now, there's like a lot, in my opinion, there's a lot of things that are that are impressive about this performance. Just first, just going off the fact that Lower Marion historically hasn't exactly been known for their baseball program. I mean, I think they've, you know, had a couple of years where they've been been pretty solid, but, you know, they've never really been among the, the elite elites of the Central League. So to go out on the road facing the defending champ and show that you have an ace is a really good way to kind of get that respect around the league. Seven innings pitched, two hits, zero runs, 11 strikeouts, uh, is just, you know, it's a masterpiece to start the year. And it's really exciting for the Lower Marion, you know, team and their fan base to know that they have someone that they can trust to go out there and, you know, compete with, with anybody, right? Like, you're facing the defending champs, so that's the standard now. So it's uh, it's, it's really good to see the Lower Marion, you know, no pun intended, has, has an ace on their hands. But uh, I don't think this is going to be the last time that we're talking about Van. All right, Strathaven. Now, this this one, this was a, a very good game. So, Strathaven was taking on Harriton, and Sam Milligan put on an absolute masterclass on, on being clutch. I mean, this guy, so we're talking Strathaven is down uh, 2 nothing to Harriton, right? So, Sam Milligan in the bottom of the sixth hits a game-tying two-run homer. He decides to follow that one up in the bottom of the ninth with a walk-off homer. Now, just the ability to... I mean, I I know a lot of people, including myself, that did not hit a home run in high school uh, on on that field too. So to be able to put two out in one game in those circumstances is unbelievable. Now he's the only remaining member, I believe, of their team in 2021 that 
won the Central League and the District. So he's got a little bit of that experience, but, you know, just an awesome performance. And that's the, you know, that's the reason why they're one of two undefeated teams remaining. Another big reason is Jake McDonough. This kid, so I got to hit with Strathaven at on deck a little bit in the offseason when I was home. Got to, you know, work with some of their guys. Jake McDonough is on fire. I mean, he has a very, very short, compact, but aggressive swing. He's currently 8 for 16 on the year. He's got the 1,464 OPS. Uh, great, great, great recruit for, uh, from what I'm told, for schools with high academics, too. I, I don't even know if anybody would be listening to this show uh, that's a college coach. I hope so. It would be a good way to branch out. But uh, keep an eye on Jake McDonough. Keep an eye on Alex Pock, too. Now, he's a senior, but he has been shoving on the mound. He threw great on opening day against against Marple Newtown. Now, the interesting thing was he came out of the bullpen in the game against Harriton where Sam Milligan hit the two home runs. I'm not sure I've ever seen someone have 11 strikeouts out of the bullpen. <laughs> Usually people don't have the time to do that. But he was able to do that. And him and Luke D'Ancona is a very solid one, too. They have a little bit of experience. They made it to states last year when they weren't really expected to. So uh, I, I promised myself I wouldn't talk too much about Strathaven. But, you know, they've, they've, they've earned this one. All right, I got a couple games that I want to talk about here in the Central League specifically that were really, really, really good last week. I think anybody that has been following along will probably know where this is going to start, and that is the absolute roller coaster that Pencrest and Radner played in last Thursday. So to set the scene here, it was originally an opening day game. They tried to play on the on the first day of the season on that Monday. The rain had other plans after the first inning, so they had to resume it on Thursday. So we're going to set the scene here. Pencrest led it two nothing going into the the. Uh, the postponement. When Radner came back, they came out with a vengeance. They scored 15 unanswered runs. 15 unanswered runs to go up by a score of 15 to 2. Now, for a Pencrest team that is, I guess, a little more in win-now mode and a Radner team that's that's very young, this was obviously a, a stunning result to see. Uh, Radner had 11 runs in the top of the third inning. So at this point, they were close to mercy rule. They went up 15-2 in the top of the fourth. But Pencrest was not done yet. I don't know if Radner, you know, maybe pulled some of their starters. They kind of let their foot off the gas. But but Pencrest scored 12 unanswered runs. So a game that went from 2-0 Pencrest to 15-2 Radner was all the way back to 15-14. Absolute madness. And the fact that Pencrest had runners on base, uh, runners on second and third where base hit could have won it, could have been a 13-run comeback, but you know I, I do have to give a lot of credit to Radner. You know they probably don't want to hear it after a game in which they almost coughed up a 13-run lead, but the mental toughness to be able to know that you're that close to blowing a lead like that and to be able to stay focused and get that last out with the winning runs on base is really impressive for a young team to do. So credit to them. I'm sure it's not the way they wanted to win this game, but they brought home the win against a good Pencrest team. At the end of the day, uh, another good game from opening day was Haverford and Ridley because Haverford led eight to four going into the seventh. This is another team that was not great in the Central League last year. I I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty sure they went either like two and fourteen, three and thirteen, like something not great. New coaching staff. They were leading eight to four going into the seventh, 
but Ridley scored four runs to tie it. Now at this point, once again, you know, you get out of the inning, tie game, kind of have to refocus, and they did just that when Braden Foxwell walked it off in the bottom of the seventh to send the Haverford fans home happy. Uh, it, you know, it's it's really great to see. Uh, I we'll we'll get to this a little bit in the PCL coming up next, but seeing this quick you know quick turnaround to be able to get off on the right note is good for this Haverford team. Uh, and you know they they're trying to find a way to to turn this thing around, right? You know, anytime you can get the positive momentum to start the season, uh, and similar to Radner to be able to come back from you know blowing that or I guess for Pencrest and Radner's case, almost blowing that lead. But to be able to stay focused and not let what happened earlier in the game you know, get to you is, is really impressive. So uh, that's I don't really have too much, like I said, for the Central League. I want to wrap up by just talking about the fact that you know it's really cool that there's a turf field with lights in, in Delco now. Got a couple turf fields, uh, Haverford School's turf, uh, Carroll's turf. I think that's all from the Central League. You know, we got a couple teams that are able to get on to, to Maple Zones field sometimes. But, you know, this is a game changer in terms of, you know, bringing in fans. Like, you heard for anybody that was either at the Haverford School and Marple game on Wednesday night or watching it on Game Changer, it was loud there. It was very loud. I could hear it from the Game Changer stream how many, you know, fans are there. I can't wait to get to see it to see, you know, what all they did with the dugouts, what all they did with the bleachers, the scoreboard, the field itself. Uh, it, it looks incredible from the pictures and the video. Hoping I get to play on it this summer. I, I would imagine the Marple Newtown Delco League team will, will get, you know, maybe not priority, but we'll get a bunch of games on there. So I'm hoping, you know, this could be the start of other teams in the area uh, getting on board. I know Devin Prep is getting turf as well soon, but... Uh, it's it's just something about playing under the lights, especially because you know you think about other sports like football, like soccer, uh, even like the indoor sports. They get to play at night, which means all their friends and their family are able to make it. They get to watch them. They get to support them. When you have baseball games at three forty-five, you're competing with every other sport, right? Like you have the, the track and field kids. You have lacrosse if they're not playing at night. You have any other sport that's outside. At the same time, I mean, even softball for that matter. But, you know, you get these games under the lights and all of a sudden you're seeing a lot more faces in the crowd and, and people that are able to make it. So hoping that there's a lot of big games there this year, whether that's Marple or whether that's, you know, a host, uh, a site for, for district playoffs. But uh, definitely, definitely a good start. All right, we're going to move on to the Philadelphia Catholic League here. You know, you could argue that the Central League has the most teams out of Delco, but I think that the PCL definitely has the most popularity just in terms of this general area. A lot of people I, I've noticed from doing this, a lot of people that went to Catholic schools have a lot of pride. You know, there's a lot of very passionate, you know, Bonner fans, O'Hara fans, Carroll fans, like people that, you know, grew up in this area, went to these schools, you know, send their kids to these schools, like people that, you know, understand that the PCL, you know, it almost sounds like the SEC when you're saying like, oh, you know, it just means more, right? Like, you know, the, the Catholic League, the pride that comes with that. You know, you saw last year when Bonner beat Wood in the finals, like how many people were at Penn for that game and how much that meant to a, to a community, really, not just a school, to a community. So we're going to rip down the standings here. Uh, 
We got Newman Goretti, the only team that is 3-0 in the conference, while uh, Bonner and Father Judge both sit at 2-0. They will be playing on Tuesday, so that's going to be a great, great opportunity for someone to uh, to move up the rankings. We got Archbishop Carroll and Cardinal O'Hara both sitting at 2-1. Archbishop Wood also at 2-1, as well as LaSalle. St. Joe's Prep at 1-1, Roman Catholic at 1-2, Archbishop Ryan and Lansdale Catholic both sit at 0-2, and, and Conwell Egan and Devin Prep sit at 0-3. Now, what I want to talk about here real quick, I want to start off with O'Hara, because when I said, when we were talking about the, with uh, Haverford in the Central League, O'Hara's in a very similar boat. This O'Hara team went 2-10 in the PCL last year. They're already 2-1. So if you want to look at it from you know the big picture, it, I mean the season is is a whopping success already. I won't say no matter what happens because they could turn around and lose nine games in a row. I, I hope they won't. But regardless, the the fact of the matter is, you know when you win two games in, out of twelve the year before and you've already won two games out of three, there's a lot of positive momentum to build. That was a huge win versus LaSalle on opening day. Kevin McGuire had a huge two-run double. It was a tie game, 4-4 four to four in the seventh when he hit that double on the road to put the Lions in front uh, and give them that opening day win. They lost to Father Judge to make them 1-1 one one, you know, in, in uh, their second game, but they came back and beat Archbishop Ryan. Uh, great, great pitching performance from Pat Ahern. Complete game shutout. Look, this team has a lot more talent, and they're playing with a lot more confidence than they did last season. So I'm really, really excited. I, I know that they're, you know, trying to, to temper expectations, but man, you know, the sky's the limit. You beat a good LaSalle team like that, you get your confidence and hopefully get the ball rolling a little bit. So credit to O'Hara. I know, you know, Rob Benedict and his staff have done a great job. I know a fan favorite in Delco, Steve Trainer, uh, head coach and player for the Springfield Colonials in the Delco League. Uh, as a Cardinal O'Hara alum, he's on that staff now. We were talking a little bit about O'Hara and just in general, and it's good to have that program looking a little better. All right, let's move on here to an Archbishop Carroll team sitting at 2-1 and one on the season right now. They took down Conwell Egan as well as Devin Prep, and they lost to LaSalle last week. You know, they're coming off a season where they went 8-4 and four in the PCL, so I wouldn't say that this start is terribly surprising. Uh, this is a team that I self-admittedly don't know too much about yet. You know, from my perspective, I'm learning about 25 new teams uh, as, as best I can. If you didn't play in the Delco League last summer, I probably really haven't seen much of you play yet. So still learning about this team. What I do know about Carroll, uh, you know, it's a school that I never played against in high school. I only knew a few kids that went there. Uh, I know that I went over four with four Ks on their field as a freshman uh, against Cabrini because I share a field when I was at Brandywine, so hopefully I can go back and make some better memories there, because uh, that's all I think about when I think about Carroll right now, but what I can tell you about this team is that James Brown is a stud, big part of this team, he has started both of the games that they have won in the PCL, five innings with one earned run against Conwell Egan, he threw five innings with no earned runs against Devin Prep. Uh, he's also the three hitter in a lineup that scored 31 runs over the last two games. So you add in him, you add in shortstop Jack Bateman, a Holy Cross commit. Uh, like I said, I will try and learn more about this team. I know James Wright's having a great year, but it's all still kind of new to me, uh, learning, getting more into the PCL. So that's all I got for Carroll this week. We'll definitely know more after the next week or so of PCL games. So we're going to move on to our last Delco representative here. We got Bonner sitting at 2-0. Uh, only reason they're behind Goretti is because they haven't played their third game yet and got the chance. 
to go to 3-0. Lots to say about this team. This is a team that is led by a potential first-round draft pick and Auburn commit Kevin McGonigal at shortstop. Also got Jackson Kehoe at third base. They have been a great 1-2 and two in the order this year. It seems like the recipe for success is let Jackson get on and let Kevin hit him in. Now, the, the what's going to basically define the season for Bonner, in my opinion, are two things. The first thing is, what do you do when everybody just starts to pitch around McGonigal and starts to try and just walk him, put him on base, and let the rest of the lineup beat him? Well, that's exactly what Archbishop Wood decided they were going to try and do. They walked McGonigal three times, and as a result, Ur Fisher drove in five runs. Because right behind McGonigal, you have Austin Cannon, Quinn Bryan, and Ur Fisher, Harry Carr. Like they have a very deep lineup, and I think what coaches are gonna, you know, start to have to decide is whether or not they want to throw to Kevin or they want to try and let the rest of the lineup beat them. And against Archbishop Wood, they won ten to five. So you know there are a lot of guys in this lineup that can beat you, and it's gonna come down to you know who do you want to be the ones to beat you. So I, I'm definitely going to be guessing we're going to be seeing a lot of teams pitching around him this year and, and challenging him to uh, to be undisciplined and go after pitches that he shouldn't be swinging at because he's getting frustrated. With that being said, I think the, the really, really, you know, main question that is going to determine how far Bonner goes is how they can replace Kevin Henrick and Michael Anderson at the top of the rotation. And I think the the correct answer to that is you don't, you can't, you know, you're, you're taking, you're, you're talking about replacing two guys that want, went to division one programs and are contributing immediately, right? Michael Anderson's at Rhode Island, Kevin Hendricks in North Alabama, and you have to try and replace both of them in the best way possible. Now, Harry Carr has done a great job at that. He's through 10 shutout innings this year through a complete game shutout uh, down in Vegas this week. So he has definitely shown that he has the potential to help. It's really going to come down to like a committee this year. It's really going to come down to everybody doing their part and throwing their innings. Brian Henry thrown 10 innings this year to an ERA of 2.1. Different guys that are getting opportunities. Well, Jackson Kehoe will will pitch a little bit. He's only thrown one inning this year. Rocco Calizzi will throw. Uh, Johnny Ortega like there's a lot of guys that I think Bond are still kind of working around and, and working out to see who their best fit is but it seems like Harry Carr and Brian Henry will probably be the two guys that they can try and rely on because to be successful here was the way that I kind of looked at it from my time playing in high school to be a good successful high school baseball team you need two starting pitchers that you trust to go all the way to go you know as far as as this team wants to go you need three you need three pitchers that you really trust, and potentially even four for the bullpen as well. Uh, and and it's a long season to go and figure that out. But they're sitting at two and zero. They had a great win against Archbishop Wood in that game. They were trailing five one. Ur Fisher took over. He had a two run double and a three run triple uh, to put them ahead and win that PCL title rematch. And man, Ur Fisher is just living in Archbishop Wood, you know, fans' nightmares. He made. The game-saving catch in the championship last year. He drove in five this year. That's That's got to be frustrating. And I don't know, something tells me we could be seeing these guys meet up in the playoffs once again. All right, that is my, uh, that's my PCL spiel right there. Uh, we're going to move on. We're going to talk a little bit about the DelVal, um, which is Chichester, Interboro, Chester, Academy Park, and Penwood in that order. So Chichester's 3-0, Interboro's 2-1, Chester's 1-2. 
Academy Park is 0-2, and Penwood is also 0-2. Now, uh, I'll be very transparent here is that I really don't know too much about the DelVal this year. What I do know is that Chichester ran the conference last year, went undefeated. Looks like they might be trending in the right direction. You know, one of the first interviews I did on the show was with a former Chichester baseball player. That's Josh Hankins, who's at Coppet State now. His younger brother, Jason, is the starting third baseman for Chichester. He's also committed to Coppin State. Uh, I know that Aaron Jackson is a big part of this Eagles team, the starting pitcher and hitter. Uh, I had someone comment on my Instagram post where I asked for the most underrated players in Delco, Troy Neff. I know he had two doubles uh, in one of their games this week. Uh, I do know that this lineup is apparently pretty deep because in their win over Interboro, their nine-hitter, Stephen Kennard homered, or Stephen Kennard, I apologize, for the mispronunciation, if that's the case. Uh, I don't Listen, I don't care what league you're in. I don't care who you're playing. If you have a nine-hitter that's dropping bombs, then you're probably in a pretty good spot. As I said, I really don't know much about the rest of this conference. You know, They're not on Game Changer. The stats aren't on max preps. Uh, I brought in a new writer, Dylan Johnson, who goes to Chichester. So I'm hoping that you know he can kind of help me out with the DelVal because you know I, I say this with all due respect, is that if, you know, if I have to cover the entire area the way that I'm trying to do you know it's just it's not as much of a priority to cover DelVal when there's not as many games realistically you know Chichester will make the playoffs Interboro will probably make the playoffs but you know my focus has to go on you know it's it's the the slogan for the company if you will the best that, that Delaware County has to offer and right now you know Chichester is playing good baseball but the rest of the conference I don't have the time to put the focus on them yet but i'm hoping as we grow start to get more writers be able to branch out a little bit so just wanted to be transparent there i have nothing but respect for the delval teams and their coaches that put in a lot of hard work to be able to get out on the field but you know chichester they scored 19 runs in the top of the first inning against academy park like it's just it's hard to to put to put too much you know focus when games like that are happening in the conference but definitely we'll keep a tab on uh, Chichester and Interboro as well for the for the year. All right, so we're just going to call this next little segment here the Sun Valley Report because they're in a very odd spot compared to the rest of Delaware County in the sense of they don't play in any of the Delco conferences. They play in the Chessmont, so they're out with all the teams like the Westchesters, the Downingtowns, uh, Coatesville, like all those teams out there. So I still want to give them their love, but you know I, I don't really feel the need to talk about you know their entire conference, the standings, all that kind of stuff. More just how they're doing in comparison to the rest of the conference. So right now they sit at two and two. They beat Westchester Ruston in their first game. They lost to Henderson in the second. They beat Great Valley and they lost to Westchester East. So it's kind of hard to compare them to the rest of Delco. They did beat Springfield three to two. So that's kind of the comparison we have. Uh, but it's more just about kind of seeing how they fit in the playoff picture, seeing how they fit, you know, just record-wise and uh, and player-wise. So I know they've got some talent on this team. I know on the mound, Josh Lowe's threw a couple strong innings against Springfield. Uh, I know that against Great Valley, it was another low-scoring win where they had a good pitching performance from Josh Lillis and uh, Pat Wiley. So I know that, that they have, you know, they have talent. It's just hard to really, really put it into perspective with the rest of the area when they're not playing a lot of the same teams. But they got a big week this week. They play Kennett on Wednesday. They play Avongrove on Thursday, two conference games. Uh, apparently, Kennett's called the Blue Demons. 
and Avangrove's the Red Devils. A uh, little, little similar, if you ask me. But you know, that's that's a problem for the Chess Mob podcast. Uh, that does probably doesn't exist. Maybe it should. But uh, Sun Valley, listen, they are off to a nice start. They are sitting at three and two right now overall after that win against Springfield. Uh, but pretty much, that's that's really all I have on this team until I get to know. Uh, I know a lot of I've seen I recognize a lot of these names just from people that have been supporting the account through uh, through its creation. But once Sun Valley keeps playing more conference games, I need to get I, I just uh, I just requested a membership to their game changer. Uh, so if anybody out there is listening from Sun Valley, just pretend like I'm related to uh, to Josh Lewis. And let me see those stats. I promise I won't give them to other coaches. But yeah, that, that's pretty much all I got for Sun Valley. Two and two on the year. You know, still clearly in the mix for the Chessmont. Uh, they will be playing a couple games next week. It looks like going forward until they play Carroll, uh, they're pretty much going to be mostly in their conference. So plenty to talk about there. But we'll move on here. All right, so now we are getting to the last conference here. That's the Interact. Now, the Interact, the reason I saved it for the last, it definitely will not be last going forward, uh, is that the conference hasn't started yet in terms of playing conference games. Right, like the Interact season will start this Tuesday. Huge, huge, huge matchup between the Haverford School and Malvern Prep coming on Tuesday. That is a rematch of the state championship from last year when Jack Campbell threw a complete game in a 2-1 win when the the seven-seed Haverford School came out of nowhere to take down EA. They took down Penn Charter. Uh, they, I forget who they played in the first round, but they ran the table as the seven seed in a 12-team bracket. Really, really impressive. And they've carried that confidence over this year. I feel like there's a, you know, from the interview I did with Joe Martin, the first ever interview, and then Ryan Getz, senior outfielder, a couple weeks ago, definitely a different vibe in the Haverford School team this year. You know, last year, a lot of injuries. They were kind of the scrappy underdogs, especially going into the playoff run. Well, this year, when you're the defending state champion, you're 11-1. and you're not an underdog. You might still be scrappy, but you're not an underdog anymore. Because this team is for real. Their only loss came to a Holy Ghost team that made a 4A state championship last year. So they are 100% legit. Um, and I'm very, very excited to talk about this lineup. And anybody that is familiar with anything with the Haverford School program knows the first name coming out of my mouth. You guessed it. Mark Quatrani is putting up. You know what? I'm not even going to say video game numbers because I don't even think on MLB The Show I'd be able to put up the type of numbers that he's doing. So I have the game changer right here. So let's break this thing down from a fundamental standpoint. Quote uh, Kent Murphy. 22 hits, 36 at-bats. That's a 611 average. That's an 1841 OPS. He's got four homers. He's got 21 RBIs. That's nine more than anyone on the team. He hit for the cycle against Hill. With, I believe, a second double in there. He, he had five hits in the game. Either second double or second single. He has not struck out this season. In 46 plate appearances, he's not struck out this season. Quatrani will be heading to Cornell after he graduates this year. But, you know, if if I ran an illegal offshore Delco baseball sports book, which, don't quote me on this, I think would uh, do, a, do very well with this community. I mean, he is he's currently a heavy favorite to win Delco Baseball Player of the Year at this point. I mean, these numbers are ludicrous. I, I don't even know where to start. Uh, but the the thing that makes this team so successful is that it's not just him. You go down the order. Ryan Getz is hitting 545. Pat White's hitting 438. Joe Pennywell's hitting 424. Connor Scanlon's hitting 378. 
you know, they got guys that, you know, haven't even quite got going yet, like Cole Donnelly and Ian White that are, are still, you know, kind of waiting to break out a little bit. And then we'll get to the pitching side of things. You look at Fred Jordan. He's thrown 21 innings pitched this year. He has not allowed a single earned run. Kevin Reedy has thrown 15 innings pitched this year. He's sitting with an ERA of 2.8. Jack Campbell has thrown 13 innings this year. He's sitting with an ERA of .525. Jacob Horwitz, I'm going to give him a quick shout-out because uh, I just brought his stepbrother on as a writer on the staff, Declan Wayman. Jacob Horwitz is a freshman that's throwing mid to upper 80s with a devastating slider. Like, I sit here as a 23-year-old college kid, and I have no interest in facing him based on what I saw from you know him against Marple. Uh, so he's a guy that they have out of the pen. Ian White, we haven't even talked about the kid who's committed to East Carolina in this rotation, Ian White, yet. Uh, and man, this team is incredibly deep. Uh, Ian White, 380 RA right now. You know, solid start to the year. I think he was a little wild in, in one of the starts and kind of threw it off. But, you know, this is a team that's 11-1. They will begin their interact season this week. And, and I think if you ask any of them, you know, they're not satisfied because even though they're 11-1, you know, in terms of their regular season and playoff season, they're 0-0. Zero zero. These games are great, but the time to get going is now. All right, our other Delco team, the Interact, is the Episcopal Academy. So this is a team that uh, they just lost a very, very tough game on a walk-off homer to a very good friend Central team. I uh, didn't get to see much of that game, but I did see the walk-off homer. You know, that's a really tough way to end a four-game win streak. But, you know, they I think they're still in great shape here. Uh, they have a very good lineup. Alex Barris is off to a great start. He's hitting 417. It seems like, you know, this team... It kind of reminds me a little bit of my senior year Strathaven team where, you know, nobody's putting up Quatronic video game numbers. You know, nobody's going to be breaking records uh, in terms of offense, but there's just a lot of really solid, solid hitters on this team. You got Jake Verbitsky, brother of uh, former Episcopal pitcher and Penn State alum with the Orioles now, Kyle Verbitsky. You got Brad Johnston, Swarthmore commit, Jack Herta, Maryland commit, you know, Ryan Tansky, all these guys are right around the 300 mark. And, you know, that that can take you a long way because you see a lot of these top-heavy lineups kind of get exposed come the playoffs and pitchers are specifically focused on them. But if you have a lot of guys that are kind of right around that 300 mark of, of being just good hitters, then you're going to be successful if any of them ever go into slumps where you know you can trust a lot of other guys. It also seems like for this Episcopal team, just looking on the game changer right now, I'm not sure through nine games that I have ever seen this many pitchers be used for a team. This We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten pitchers. There's been ten players on Episcopal that have thrown at least one inning this year. That's going to be very beneficial for them come the end of the season when they're playing playoff games and you know, a lot of games in not a lot of time. Uh, looks like Logan Correll has been the ace of the staff so far. He has a 2.74 ERA. He's thrown 15 innings. Nobody else has thrown more than nine. So he started four games out of the nine. So it seems like he's kind of the guy they trust the most. Ryan Tansky has a .78 ERA. He's thrown nine innings. And then a lot of just really solid performances. Timmy Dennis has thrown seven innings. He's got a zero ERA. Uh, looks like Michael Cadden has also thrown five innings. He's got a 1.4 ERA. Uh, this is a team that they just came back from a Florida trip where they were pretty successful. It seems like I think they went uh, either three and three or four and two going off the game changer here. Came back, beat Conestoga on Tuesday. 
before they lost that tough game to Friends Central. And uh, they will begin their Interact season on Tuesday against Germantown Academy. They got a big game Friday afternoon against Malvern Prep. So Malvern is a team that you know, I can talk a little bit about because they're, you know, they're not from Delco. So I'm not really sure how much the, the audience cares about them. But with that being said, they have a lot of Delco players. So I, I think that people will definitely just you know be interested in them just in general based off the fact that, A, they're really good. I don't think anybody can argue that they're, you know, one of the best teams, if not the best team in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, we will find that out soon, very soon. Hopefully, I really hope there's a game stream to that Haverford School Malvern game on Tuesday and the uh, EA Malvern game on Friday. So uh, if someone's listening here, help a brother out. I'm three hours away. I would, I would drive, I would drive back if I could. Uh, unfortunately, that is not an option here. Wow, that was a great high school baseball wraparound, and you know, I think that's kind of pretty much how most of these uh shows are going to go i think in a normal episode i will have this will be a little bit shorter because i'm kind of catching up on the first week or two there will be an interview though for the most part this week i could not do an interview because a i kind of lost my voice and b so this weekend this most recent weekend i had a triple header on sunday just based on the weather now if that's not peak club baseball playing a triple header in like 30s and 40s weather uh, on a Sunday. I'm not sure what is. And I just did not have the time really or the energy to be able to get an interview organized, get it you know, recorded, get it edited. Uh, and I knew I had a lot to talk about. So we'll definitely be getting back on track with that soon, trying to do it as a player of the week type thing. All right, as I mentioned, I really don't have anything on college baseball this week just because I, I just didn't have the time to get that with as much high school baseball is I wanted to talk about, uh, but I'm going to make you guys suffer to end this show. We're going to talk about the fightings here, because for as good as the Phillies playoff run was last season, that's been about as bad as the season has started for the fightings this year. Let's just talk about the injuries first, because I, I want to give this team some credit that they're, you know, they're not a hundred percent. So let's start out with the obvious Bryce Harper has took BP on the field, but he's still out. Reese Hoskins is out for the year, and if he's not out for the year, he's out till like the NLCS or World Series. So uh, tough bat to replace. That you know, I talked about that when he got hurt, but it's it's just you know a big hole lost in the lineup. And who was brought in to replace him? Well, Derek Hall. And guess what? He's hurt now too. He hurt his thumb, and now he is banged up with Cody Clemens getting called up. Andrew Painter just got moved to the 60-day injured list, so he's not coming back anytime soon. Ranger Suarez is still not healthy. This team is absolutely getting banged up by injuries right now. And, you know, there's going to be the hardos out there that say you can't use that as an excuse. But it's just reality that this right now is a nightmare. That they're, you know, they need Bryce back ASAP. And they need some other bats to step up. Which, so far, uh, Trey Turner's having a great start to the year. He's hitting 370 through a couple games. Bryson Stott is hitting 435 to start the year. Uh, I saw a stat on Twitter I think he was one of like maybe five or six players that have not swung and missed at a strike yet, which is a really, really encouraging sign to see that he's continuing to grow as a hitter. He, I mean, he was a 300 hitter in the last third of the season last year. I have a lot of high expectations for him, and those guys are going to have to perform to keep this team afloat. Uh, who else has been well? Matt, Matt Strom. 
Matt Strom was a guy that I don't think anybody knew anything about coming in. I knew about him as a reliever for the Red Sox. He comes in, he throws four shutout innings. Uh, People are calling him Pastrami. His last name is Strom. And let me just preface this by saying Stromboli was right there. I don't know how you miss Stromboli. I don't know whose idea it was. I would like to talk to them. But regardless, great pitching performance. You can tell that he uh, he's intense. Uh, he also made it very clear to mention the fact that he does not care whether he's a starter or a reliever. He does not care how many innings he's going to throw. He's ready for whatever. And that's the kind of guy that you need on your baseball team, especially when a lot of your guys are injured. Well, hopefully there are some brighter days ahead. The Phillies will be welcoming in the Cincinnati Reds for a series this weekend. They postponed the game Thursday, even though my Philly people back home told me that it just never rained, which is a real bummer. I feel like they should have just kind of let it ride out. But regardless, should be nice weather for a uh, an afternoon game. For I'm hoping the bank is is very warm and welcoming to the the Phillies. I know they're one in five, but they took this team to the World Series last year. They deserve uh, a round of applause, and you know maybe the fans getting them uh, getting them you know some energy will turn this thing around because all you need is one sweep and guess what you're four and five and this thing's right back on the tracks all right everybody wow that was a good episode that was uh that was kind of exactly what i wanted to do in terms of structure i like splitting it up by conferences especially because let's be honest here there's gonna be people that don't want to listen to the entire show but they want to listen to themselves which is fine i totally get it you know you don't have some people don't have time to listen to an entire show and they just want to hear about the uh, teams that they're playing and, and their own team but Looking forward to doing more interviews. Looking forward to getting into a little more college going forward. As always, make sure to toss us a follow at Delco Baseball on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, if you want, if you have the burning desire to fo- follow me specifically, I think it's at BP Ricciardi on Twitter and Brennan R11 on Instagram. Uh, our Facebook is just Delco Baseball now. But with that being said, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Hopefully this is uh hopefully this is just a start to a lot of good high school baseball talk this season. We'll see you next week.